When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Memory Lane Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Really cool discussion for you today, Pirates fans. We're going to do something a little bit different on the podcast today. We're going to take a trip down memory lane with Andrew McCutcheon and his baseball career right now. Welcome in my good friend Jason Dombach, former broadcaster for the Altoona Curve, longtime broadcaster and minor league baseball executive. J.D., how you doing today, pal? Everything going well? Yeah, man, I'm doing all right. Good to be with you, Corey. I'm looking forward to this discussion. We're going to take a little bit of a different approach to this in looking back on Andrew McCutcheon's career. Obviously, he's back with the Pirates now, which is great to see because he's such a popular uh, figure in, in recent Pirates history. But before we get into the history of it, J.D., how cool is it that that Kutch is now back with the Buckos and Pirates fans will be able to get to see him this season? Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, if you look at the last 25 or so years of, of the Pirates and you know, outside of the few years where they, they got to the playoffs, you know, 2012, 13, 14, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been very much fun, but you know, McCutcheon is one of those guys who they drafted, they developed and he turned into an MVP and, and led them to the playoffs. And so, you know, I think if you look at recent pirate history, the last quarter century, I don't know that there's a more important figure in Pittsburgh Pirate baseball than Andrew McCutcheon. So for him to be able to come back, and he's clearly not, you know, the player he was a decade ago, but, uh, you know, still good to have a, a veteran presence and, and a real fan favorite because, let's be honest, Pirate fans need something to cheer for. And it may be another long year, but at least having Andrew McCutcheon there will be, you know, a good reminder of what, what the team was and, and had an opportunity to be. And, of course, he was a big part of that. What we're going to do here is take a look back at the beginning of Andrew McCutcheon's professional career. From when he was drafted in the first round of the Pirates, we got to see him in Altoona at the end of the 2006 season. And then for a good bit of the 2007 season, he was here with the curve. So we're going to kind of go back in time. What do you remember, J.D.? You were a broadcaster for the Curve at the time. The Pirates draft Andrew McCutcheon. We hear certain things. He's a high school star. What do you remember about the potential and the upside for Andrew McCutcheon once they first drafted him? Yeah, well, once they first drafted him and before we saw him, 
So 2005, he's a first-round draft pick. That's the year after they drafted Neil Walker out of high school. And so there was some excitement there because, you know, you had the, the local kid in Walker the year before, and then they go back to the high school route the following year in Andrew McCutcheon, who was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was somewhere around, uh, you know, he was top eight to 12, somewhere in that neighborhood uh, draft pick. I don't exactly remember Ele- what. 11th, 11th, yes. 11th, right. He was the 11th overall pick in the draft. And I just remember, you know, the, the, there were a lot of folks touting just the upside that, you know, what you see now as an 18-year-old in five to seven years you might be looking at a completely different player, not different in that, um, you know, he wasn't going to be as quality of a defensive player. He wouldn't have the bat speed or might. It's just that he looked like a guy that at 18 years old needed a lot of growth and development. And I think that, that bore out as we saw his minor league career and then ultimately getting to the big leagues. But just, he was that ultimate guy that had that raw ability, right? You see so many guys, high school players particularly that are drafted on their raw upside ability. And you, sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. But with McCutcheon, he, he, he was sort of touted as a guy that, um, you know, was a little safer, I think, as a raw high school kid uh, than, you know, kind of than what you would normally think of as a raw player. So I think there was a lot of excitement about McCutcheon. The Pirates felt good about what they had in him. And, uh, of course, he started out, you know, in the Gulf Coast League. And as you saw him in the low minors, you started to see a little bit of, of growth and development. But still, there was, uh, you know, a long divide between the low minor league Andrew McCutcheon and the major league Andrew McCutcheon. What I remember pretty specifically uh, during that time frame, waiting for McCutcheon to get to Altoona and play in double-A with the curve was everybody talked about how mature he was. That mm-hmm. not only did he have all of the physical skills and abilities, and, and he was raw in a lot of ways, like you had mentioned, like pretty much all high school prospects would be, but that he had the right mentality, he had the right mental makeup, and this yeah. is such an important part of minor league baseball because, again, I've spent most of my adult life in minor league baseball, as did you, and y- you have to be mature and be able to handle the ups and downs of the minor leagues when, yeah, you're a star in high school, now you're a first-round pick, and then basically in the minor leagues, you're kind of just going from town to town to town, and you'd better learn how to deal with all of that stuff from a, a grown-up, mature standpoint. That's exactly right, and... and- you know, you just because you're a first round pick, it might give you a few extra advantages. You're going to have more eyeballs. The people in the development system with the Pirates are going to spend a little more time on him. Um, you know, there's there's people that are going to be um, putting together player development plans a little more in depth for him than somebody drafted in the 38th round. But at the end of the day. You know, you show up at spring training the next year, or really right after you're drafted in June, you get down to Pirate City, and, you know, you're one of 60 new players that, that shows up, and you're just another one of them. And you find out pretty quickly that it doesn't matter what kind of potential you have or, you know, what kind of ability you have or how, how, how highly drafted or rated you are. It's a grind. And so you're right. That is something you did hear about Andrew McCutcheon. You heard that. He had that, he came, first of all, he came from a great family. 
Um, he, he came from a background where he definitely had that mental maturity that you talked about. And when we finally got to see him, not to jump ahead, but you, you understood where those, where that came from. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In 2006, Kutch uh, was at uh, Hickory and hit uh, yeah. t- low A Hickory, hit 291 and uh, had 14 homers, 62 RBIs. Just a tremendous year for him in low A. And they let him skip high A. All right, that's not something that the Pirates front office really did at that point, J.D. He was really good uh, at low A Hickory. Then he comes to Altoona at the end of the 2006 season. He played 20 games and was very good, hit 308, had an 854 OPS. What do you recall about um, just letting him skip high A? That's just not something the, the Buckos did during that time frame. No, it isn't. Now, they did do it the year before, if you remember, with Matt Cap. Yep, that's right. He threw a a hundred, though. A little different there. (laughs) He did. It's a a different position and a whole... But again, Matt Matt Cap, though, was not a... He wasn't like a highly touted prospect. We heard the name, but when he got called up from Hickory Double A, and then ultimately got to the big leagues really quickly, he was not a guy that had the sort of um, the, the, the the ranking and you know was it you know top of the prospect pool, so the Pirates had done it, but not with a position player that I recall. And I still remember uh, Corey getting a phone call from our manager in Altoona in 2006, Tim Leeper, and he called me. Um, I believe it was on an off day. I think it was on a Monday uh, in in early August. And he mentioned that uh, Andrew McCutcheon was, was going to be coming up from Hickory. And on that very same day, Neil Walker was going to be promoted from Lynchburg. And 
immediately, of course, my reaction was, wow. I mean, we've got the, the top two prospects in the Pirates organization, both number one draft picks, coming here to join our team. How exciting is this? Gonna really, you know, kind of a shot in the arm in the dog days of summer. And that's really what that pro- provided. And so to get those two guys, you know, I, to me, I can't think of Andrew McCutcheon without thinking of Neil Walker because yep. those two guys came uh, to Altoona on the very same day. They didn't come from the same team, but they were the top two prospects, the two number one draft picks that everybody had paid attention to. They were their most recent two first-round picks. And so that's what I'll always remember about the day that Andrew McCutcheon came. He didn't come alone. He came with Neil Walker. It's pretty amazing, really. Jason Dombach was the Curves radio guy at the time and, and main PR guy, so he uh, was there for all of this. And I associate Andrew McCutcheon and Neil Walker with Steve Pierce. Uh, they were all together in Altoona in 2007. I'll get more in, into Steve Pierce here uh, in just a bit because, again, the, these three, these the stories of these three guys really kind of all intertwine. But McCutcheon came up to the Curve in 06, did very well again. Then he comes back to Altoona. Uh, to start the 2007 season. And I'll tell you what, um, this is something that when I say this, a lot of people don't necessarily know. Maybe they weren't paying fully you know, close attention to McCutcheon coming up through the AA ranks. I've written more than 10,000 stories about the Altoona Curve. I've written three books about the Altoona Curve. They're going into their 25th season uh, right now. I'm the longest tenured minor league beat writer in the entire country for one team. Uh, I, I'm kind of sort of the uh, unofficial curve historian. And Andrew McCutcheon is not one of the top 50 players in Altoona Curve history. <laughs> he might not be one of the top 75 players in Altoona Curve history because in 2007, he really, really, really struggled for about five, six weeks, J.D., in the middle of May, he was hitting in the 180 range. 180 after a, a little bit more than a month. What do you remember about early on 2007, Andrew McCutcheon? Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, uh, and again, it, 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 he was 19, 20 years old, right, at that time. Uh, I know he was 19 when he was called up. I'm not sure if he had turned 20 at the beginning of that 07 season, but again, very, very young. And, you know, the one thing you and I, and, and a lot of people that follow player development, and especially when you get to the double-A level, realize is that that's the fork in the road. You know, that's really the first time that you as a young player are facing guys that are a lot older than you, that have experience. I mean, you look at, at the beginning of the season, in double A, you're going to see guys that have been at triple A. You're going to see guys that have been at the big leagues. By the end of the year in August, that's not really the case. It is mostly prospect driven at the end of the year. But at the beginning of seasons, you know, you're, you're looking at, he was facing guys that had a lot more experience, uh, veteran free agent types, guys that, you know, were, you know, thinking they were going to be at least triple A guys and they filtered down to double A all the top prospects and all the organizations are at the double-A level. And so that was probably, that. I mean, it was hard. It was really hard for him. Now, it's not hard for everybody, but it's, it's a hard level. And for Andrew McCutcheon, it really, it really hit him at that point. He really struggled. 
but the one thing I will say is that even throughout those struggles, I think he really maintained an outstanding approach. He kept, uh, he, he wasn't visibly shaken, visibly upset. I mean, I'm sure he was frustrated. Uh, I'm sure there was some concern in the Pirates' brass at that point. But, you know, he was not a guy that was ever in danger of being sent down, or I don't think he was ever in danger of, um, you know, mentally not being able to handle that level. He just needed to work through that. But, yeah, that was a uh, – I bet if you look at Andrew McCutcheon's entire career, which now is close to 20 years if you count his minor league and his major league uh, uh, career – I doubt that he's ever had a stretch like he did at the beginning of his double-A season in 2006. And this is where I want to get back to the maturity component because this is this is what helped Andrew really be uh, become an outstanding player. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, when he was coming up through the minor league system, what we heard was that he was really a very mature guy. And so I've got some numbers here. Uh, Andrew started the 2007 season for the Altoona Curve 0 for 15. All right, so he was in a hole immediately. And uh, on May 18th, after an 0 for 4 in his 37th game, Andrew was batting 178. Now, one thing I will say, and I, I wrote about this at the time, I do have a vivid memory of this, of sitting in the dugout at Blair County Ballpark, which was what it was called at the time. It's now People's Natural Gas Field. But I remember sitting there in, uh, before an April game talking to Andrew McCutcheon. He's from Florida. It was freezing. Uh, those of you listening to this who uh, in around Pennsylvania, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If, if, you're, if you live somewhere else and you're listening to this, uh, maybe you don't know what Central and Western PA weather is like in April. But here in Altoona, last week it was 72 degrees on Wednesday. It was snowing on Friday. It's just insane. All right. And so McCutcheon was having to go through this cold weather. And I just remember, I have a vivid uh, memory of him sitting in the dugout, like almost just shivering, you know, just (laughs) on top of everything else you said about getting used to a double A, he had to get used to playing in the Northeast in April. And I think he, I think he ended up getting a little sick then. I think he had a cold at one point, but it was, I just remember fascinating. It was fascinating. And, uh, but like you said, his approach, I have a quote from him early in 2007. Andrew says, I believe I am handling it pretty well. It's an example for younger kids to watch a player who's not getting the hits right now, how he handles it. There are going to be people out there watching me through the ups and through the downs. So they're going to look at your attitude and how you handle the game. And that is one thing that we, even when he was struggling, he really showed a good attitude. And for a 20-year-old kid at the time, he could have gone the other way, J.D. He could have gone and just fizzled, but that is clearly not what happened. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed talking to him. You know, he, he was he was a little on the quieter side. I maybe you would call him even a little shy, but whenever you got to talk to him, he was very profound and very advanced in terms of a lot of the things that he was saying. And you know, I, I he wasn't a guy that was going to give you the greatest quotes at the time, but I do. I always got the sense that you know his approach and the way he was going about his business was. You know, was the right 
was the right thing. And, and I think that, that showed out, you know, as, as things have, you know, come together in his career and what we ultimately have seen. I don't know that if Andrew McCutcheon was, and I'm not going to name other names, but you and I have been around players in the minor leagues who probably were a little cockier, maybe, you know, didn't have the work ethic, even though they had a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. You know, without that, um, if that's the way he was, that season could have gotten away from him and maybe his entire career could have gotten away from him at that point. But I think those struggles that he went through are a great lesson for any young player to come through. And if I'm the Pirates and I'm talking to my single A and double A group this year, uh, you know, that's probably an example that I would, that I would bring up Bingo. to say, look, you know, you're going to go up north. Some of you have never played in cold weather before. Um, some of you have never been at double A before. It's going to be hard. But you've got a guy that was a National League MVP playing on your big league team right now who was hitting 178 in May, uh, his first full double A season. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. And to go back to what you said earlier, Corey, it is crazy to think if you were to make a list of the 50 greatest Altuna curve players at the double A level, he may not be on it, even no. though he, as it turns out, is probably, you know, easily one of the two or three you know, best major leaguers that have ever come through this. It is, and it kind of goes to show how unimportant sometimes certain yeah. levels of success are in the minor leagues. By the way, the Curve are having their 25th anniversary season this year. They had a fan vote for the Mount Rushmore of Altoona Curve players. Uh, Adam Heizu obviously is on it, Mr. Curve. Brad Eldred, who is the greatest slugger in the history of double-A baseball. And if you haven't heard me explain that before, he had 30 home runs in 60 games in double-A and had 50 RBIs in one month. There will never be a better slugger ever at the double-A level than Brad Eldred, regardless of what he did at the big league level. In Altoona, he was uh, he was a Hall of Famer. And then the other two on the Mount Rushmore, Andrew McCutcheon and Bronson Arroyo. So I, I just want to finish up here with Andrew's 2007 season. He ends up finishing for the curve. He ends up batting 258 with 10 homers, 48 RBIs, and a 7-10 OPS. Nothing about those numbers is overly substantial, except for when the fact that you consider he was batting 178 after 37 games and ended up batting 258. So he ended up batting above 290 for his final 80-plus games in Altoona. And even though we didn't see statistically... From the beginning to the end, we did see the maturity and we saw him develop into an outstanding player, just continuing to learn and, and, and develop. And you saw over the the months of June and July until he ultimately was promoted up to AAA, that five-tool ability that, that had been talked about. Now, he was not, you know, when you say five-tool ability, okay, well, he, you know, he's never a prolific home run hitter. But certainly he had bat speed, could hit for power, obviously could hit for average, hit for, you know, could, could run, could throw. And you could, you could see all of those things come together. And, you know, the one thing you knew about Andrew McCutcheon, when he was in Altoona at double A as a 20 year old, he was 6'1", 170 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that might be generous. And you knew that his body was going to mature. You know, you you could see the frame was there, and so you knew he could put on another 15, 20, 25 pounds, and, it, and, and he was going to be, um, uh, you know, a more durable player, 
and somebody that could probably end up hitting for a lot more power than he showed in the minor league. And so all of the raw tools at that point, you could very much see were starting to come together. And, you know, it was you know just a few years later that uh, he was the everyday center fielder at Pittsburgh. And Andrew and Neil Walker will certainly forever be linked with the Pirates. They are forever linked with the Altoona Curve. But one other guy, and I want—I got to make sure I mention this, was Steve Pierce, because the best player on the 2007 mm-hmm. Altoona Curve team was not Andrew McCutcheon. It was not Neil Walker. The best player, one of the handful of best players, and I think I ranked Steve Pierce third in my in my all-time list, uh, was, was Steve Pierce. In 2007, for the Altoona Curve, 81 games, Steve Pierce had, uh, let's see, he batted 335 with 14 homers and 72 RBIs in 81 games with a 986 OPS. That's the year he was the Topps Minor League Player of the Year. He went all the way from Lynchburg all the way to the big leagues in one season. So we can't tell the story of, of Neil Walker and Andrew McCutcheon without Steve Pierce, J.D., because Steve wow. Pierce at the A level was a monster. He was. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating for Pirate fans because that's that era. Uh, so if, if you're a Pirate fan from that era and you remember the struggles, there were a number of players who came through that the Pirates gave up on, frankly. And, you know, he did get to the big leagues with the Pirates. But, you know, you're talking about guys like, you know, the best example, of course, of all time is Jose Bautista, who went on to hit 50 home runs multiple times in Toronto. But Steve Pierce is right there as well. And a guy that, um, again, was not a highly touted, never like a top five prospect, he was a senior sign, as I recall, out of South Carolina. So he you know, wasn't you know, a real highly touted guy, but just produced at every level. And the one thing I'll say about Steve Pierce that I remember is we didn't have exit velocities back then. Yeah. But I would love to have seen it because I don't know that I've ever seen a guy at that level hit the ball as hard. Yes. I'm not saying hit it as far. I'm just saying the, the, the way the ball came off his bat it had a different sound than anybody that I can remember at that time. What the, the, um, what always bugs me, and I think a lot of Altoona Curve fans who saw, saw Steve Pierce, is he never got the really extended look as an everyday player for the Pirates. He never right. got a three or four month span. He would get two weeks maybe and he'd do well, but as soon as he struggled, and this is what the Pirates have, I think quite frankly, I think what the Pirates have effed up on with a lot of prospects over the years. They'll give a guy two, three, four weeks and as soon as he starts to struggle, he gets benched and they don't let them play through it. Okay, Just like we've talked about extensively, Andrew McCutcheon played through it and became a star. Look what he did in Altoona. I mean, if, if he had been benched for two or three weeks because he what you know what 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 happens to him? Well, that didn't happen because he's a first round pick. Steve Pierce, if Steve Pierce would have been given a four month stay uh, stand at any point as the everyday first baseman, I think Steve Pierce is a pretty damn quality major league hitter for a long time. But it's not just the Pirates who never gave him that opportunity. Some other teams never did. Um, but I've always thought of one guy that you mentioned Jose Bautista clearly. If they would have given Steve Pierce a, a, a long look, mm-hmm. what he might have been over the course of his career. Yeah, and you know, I think the thing that worked against Steve Pierce is he wasn't six four. He wasn't a power hitting first baseman. You know, he he was he was a an average hitter, right? A, a batting guy. He was a guy that was going to hit for average. He was going to hit three hundred, um, but he wasn't a big power guy. 
and I don't have his major league numbers in front of me, but he's had a heck of a long career. Um, and I think it's very clear that that's a guy that had the Pirates just kind of held on, giving him a little more of an opportunity. You know, things maybe could have been a little bit different. Um, maybe he needed to, to go to a couple other organizations to have the success that he ended up having. But if you think about the Pirates, Corey, back in that era, and I know some people might disagree with you and I, but they really messed up a couple of situations in a row. They had Brad Eldred, a guy that could hit 40 home runs in the major leagues. He could strike out 200 times, which now is okay. Then it really wasn't. But they never really afforded him that opportunity to be the everyday guy um, at that first base. Then, now, he broke, then, then he broke his wrist. Then uh, he, right. Then he, in fairness, you know, he, he really hasn't – he had never – it took him to go to Japan, so maybe he was maybe he was just that classic four A guy, right? That that was too good for the minors, but not good enough for the big leagues. But they never really gave the guy an opportunity. And I know there was an injury in there. And then you follow that up with Steve Pierce, another guy that I think, and this is revisionist history, but really would have. And let's not forget, Steve Pierce is an excellent defensive first baseman, quality, high quality first baseman that could have made a big difference as well. But again, you know, that era of Pirates baseball, um, that was the midpoint of the dredge of 20 years of, of Pirate baseball. And, um, you know, that those are the kind of decisions that were made that, yeah, you wish you could have back. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And I want to get back to Andrew McCutcheon and as we kind of wrap this up with Andrew and Neil Walker as well. Because one thing I discussed a lot back on my radio show during the time was the the culture of losing that was taking place in Pittsburgh uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. With 20 years of losing, you, you get up there and no matter how much success you've had in the minor leagues, no matter how much success you've had in your whole life, once you get up there and you start losing – 90, 95, 100 games all the time. Look, Kebron Hayes has been there the last couple of years. They've lost 100 games. Mitch Keller, they've lost 100 games. The danger of that is you just get inundated with this notion that losing is okay. And it's not okay. It's it's never okay. But you kind of get the feeling that the front office seems to think it's okay. My boss at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Dan Kovacevic, he says that they punt on the season all the time. And they do. Once things go south, they just punt on the season. And they're they're perfectly fine losing 90, 95, 100 games because they're still going to make their money. But what it, what happens is it breeds a culture with every guy that gets to the locker room of it's really not even all that important if we do win. And so 
what Andrew McCutcheon, what Neil Walker, what some of these other guys were able to do once they got into Pittsburgh and started winning, really, with kind of the 2011 season. Certainly in 2012, they played very well the first half, collapsed the second half, and then they made the playoffs three years in a row. I just find it amazing, J.D., and again, I'll go back to the maturity level of Andrew McCutcheon, the maturity level of Neil Walker, that they those guys were able to help not just play good baseball, not just win some games, but change the entire culture of the losingest Major League Baseball franchise you know, with the 20-year losing streak that we've ever seen. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think when you look back, just to kind of hit on something you mentioned a little earlier in what you just said, when you look back at the reasons why the Pirates year after year after year just could not get out of their own way is I think and, and, and this part of this was being so involved in their player development process and knowing all the, knowing the players, knowing the people that were in the player development system. They, they just never really trusted their own development model. You know, they had these players that were quality big league caliber players like Jose Bautista and Brad Eldred and, and Jose Castillo and, and other, other guys like that, but they just never, it's almost like they didn't trust what the guys that they had through their minor league system. And you're not supposed to bring guys up until you do. And then when, what ended up happening was when it got to uh, the point where McCutcheon and Walker were, you know, finally, I think you had those kind of guys, that's when the Dave Littlefield era ended. In two, at the end of 2007, Brian Graham who well, was a good guy, but I mean, I don't. I mean, he can't get any credit for for anything that happened, you know, while he was the the, the head of uh, player development in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I don't. I just always felt like they never really trusted their own guys, and then you know they they compounded it by bringing in free agents that just never really worked out. You think of Pat Mears and you know, Sean Casey and all these kind of guys. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And they just never really, they, what they should have done is torn it all down and, and, and use the, the young guys and struggled for a couple of years, but they never really could compete. They never really could, um, you know, pull the trigger on that decision back in that period of time. And yet, McCutcheon, again, Neil Walker, they were able to break through as we, as we got to see McCutcheon become a star and we'd, we had been able to see him come up through the minor league system. What's one memory or one uh, lasting element about McCutcheon's career as a major leaguer that really kind of sticks out to you after getting to know the guy when he's 19, 20 years old? Yeah, it was just cool to see him become an MVP, you know, and be that elite level of a player, an all-star, an MVP, because, you know, particularly just being around the Altoona curve in the first 10 years, we didn't really have a lot of guys like that. Uh, we had guys that were really good major leaguers. You know, you mentioned Bronson Arroyo earlier. But, you know, a guy like McCutcheon became one of the very best in Major League Baseball at that time. And to be able to say you were around somebody like that, of that caliber, is, is really fun to be able to look back on and, and have, having been able to see, you know, his development. And now you see him and, you know, he's the elder statesman. He's an outspoken guy. He's kind of fun. He's outgoing. And, he, you know, it's fun to see 
his personality developed the way that it has as well. Because again, he was he was just a young guy, always younger than everybody else throughout the minor league, uh, throughout his minor league career, and it it took some time, it took some growing pains, but ultimately he is one of the best success stories that the, the Pirates uh, had during a really grim era. Great stuff, man. Appreciate the trip down memory lane. Jason Dombach, former Curve broadcaster. Really good stuff, buddy. Can't thank you enough, man. All right, Corey. Take care. Thank you. Thanks so much. 